to the brightest audience in the country. I am Dominic Enyart. Bob is currently still on assignment, so I will be filling in for today. I wanted to echo a point that Matt Walsh made on his show about Black Lives Matter today. Fox News correspondent Bill Mulligan published a video on the 3rd of this month, May 2021, and this is what it's like being a cop nowadays. This footage is from a police body cam about an incident which inspired a woman to call internal affairs and file a harassment claim against the officer. Let's roll this clip. I was going under the speed limit. I was going at 38. Yes, you are, ma'am. Good morning. Which is, and the speed limit is 40, and I was going 38, so why are you harassing me? You are correct. I pulled you over because... Because you're a murderer. Uh, Yes, I started to record because you're a murderer. You can't be on your cell phone while you're driving. I was on my phone. I was recording you because you scared me. You can't use your cell phone while you're recording. I can record you. May I have your driver's license? It's it's at my apartment. What's your apartment? It's at my home. I'm just taking my son to his... Do you have have your driver's license? I, I mistakenly left it at home. Do you have a picture of your driver's license? Yes, I do. May I have it? And can you call your supervisor, please? I I already did. He's on his way. Good, because you're a murderer. Okay. And so you're giving me a cell phone ticket? Is that why you're harassing me? Not harassment. I I am enforcing the law. I have a right to record the police when they're harassing me. By all means. But you can't do it while you're driving. I I wasn't texting or none of that. Do you have and you had that you picture? scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, you're, that's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. Okay. Can you zoom in on that for me, Sure. Jay? Thank you. And I'm perfectly legal, and I'm a teacher. So oh. there. Congratulations. Murderer. You're a murderer. What's your last name? I can't see that there. Well, if here you, you stop, go, murderer. Stop shaking. Zoom in on that for no, me, No, because right? you're scaring me. Oh, you're threatening to kill me and my son. Can you give me okay. the, the well, you, iPad, you, I'll tell you what, you keep smiling, yeah, you're on camera. You keep, you're, you're trying to threaten to kill me. I'm I not didn't smiling, say that. you're the one who's crazy. Hold that still, I can't see that. Uh, is this your car? Yes, it is. And um, you're trying to say I stole my own car because you're jealous? Yeah, is that what I don't that's think about? so. <laughs> you wait for me right here, okay? You're jealous. All you need to do is get your signature. He's only citing you for using your cell phone while you're driving. That's it. Here you go, ma'am. Sign inside the red box right a, there. For him being a Mexican racist. What is that name? Gas. It's on the citation, ma'am. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white, which is what you really want to be. You there you go, be dear. White. Have you, a good ma'am. day. You want to be white. Now, of course, this chick is a teacher. Is anyone surprised that she's a teacher? Everything about her just screams, I am a teacher. And, you know, okay, quick tangent. Okay, I made it three minutes into a show before taking a tangent. That's got to be a new record for me. Public school teachers have such a insane agenda. Yesterday, we talked about how the left, they will just take every opportunity 24-7 to push their agenda. So quick tangent before I talk about this video. I want to talk about the video. 
But so when I was maybe 16 years old, I was a little bit more naive concerning the intensity in which the public schools pushed their agenda. I had heard my parents talk about it all the time about how terrible the public schools were. But, you know, I was on a public school hockey team and, you know, I had friends on the hockey team. Some of them were conservative Republicans, some were liberals. And I thought, man, it's it's probably bad, but it's probably not quite as bad as, you know, my parents have made the schools out to be. And then when I was 16, I went to a public school with a friend and I was introduced to some teachers at our local public high school here. And the first teacher I met, I kid you not, within 30 seconds of meeting this person, like shaking her hand, saying, hi, my name's Dominic. Within 30 seconds of that, she was trying to convince me that communism was good. So within 30 seconds. And then maybe about 15 minutes later, we went over and I was introduced to another teacher. And within about three minutes of that conversation going, again, They were trying to convince me that communism is good. And I was just blown away by how upfront they were about with their agenda. And I remember talking to some friends who went to that school after that encounter. And I asked them, I was like, and these were conservative friends of mine. I was like, you you know that teacher, right? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, she's the big liberal. And they knew like right away that she was... Uh, and they had had arguments with her. They knew right away that it was a big liberal teacher. So I definitely, I've learned to trust my parents more on on stuff like that. You know, even my homeschool co-op, I did a homeschool co-op. One of my teachers at the homeschool co-op for my government class, she ended up saying that the Constitution takes precedence over the Bible in government class. More on that later, though. I want to I talk about, I want to talk about this video we just watched. So, Teachers are insane. That's off topic. I want to talk about just how stupid BLM is. Just they're, they're total morons. So they say, like this chick did, this obviously racist woman, they, they say that they are terrified of the police. Yet in every video, either body cam footage or phone footage, BLM protesters and activists are always taunting police always in all in every single video i've seen of them interacting the blm activists are taunting the police it's funny they say you know we're terrified of the police then they go out and taunt them now i have six older brothers that is a lot they were a lot bigger than me and a lot stronger than me and as a seven-year-old i found out a very important lesson in life if there's someone who's bigger than you And someone who is stronger than you, and you are afraid of them, do not taunt them. That's going to end up getting you hurt. I I learned that when I was seven years old. I know it's pretty complicated stuff, but it's going to end up hurting you if you taunt people who are bigger and stronger than you. And you know, sometimes when I was little, I thought that they wouldn't be allowed to hurt me. So I'd resume the taunting because I'm an annoying younger brother and that's my job. I, I signed up for that. And... I would taunt them because I thought I was safe. And, you know, I usually wasn't, but I thought I was. And I bring this up to say that Black Lives Matter activists or, you know, burn, loot, murder activists, they aren't actually afraid of the police. They know perfectly well. They know with 100% confidence that the police are awesome. And they know that they can taunt the police with little to no consequence. 
And then they tend to be afraid. It's like, okay, if you're really afraid of the police, you have a very interesting way of showing it, you know? Usually, when I'm afraid of someone, I try and, like, avoid them. Or if they come up to bully me, if I'm cowering in fear, as the left, they, they love to do, I'll usually try and de-escalate the situation, not taunt that person that I'm extremely afraid of. So if they are actually afraid of the police, they have a really, really weird way of showing it. You know, this just goes to show why we cannot trust anything they say. Literally everything is just a lie. It's not that they're wrong. It's not that they're, you know, uninformed. It's just that they're lying. It's simple. They know the truth and they are deciding to say something contrary to the truth. They aren't afraid and they're just evil and they have an agenda. An agenda to, you know, hashtag defund the police and hashtag abolish the police. And in response to that, I say, you know what, let's increase the police. Hashtag increase the police. But so next time a BOM activist tells you that they are afraid of the police, just do not believe them. Shrug them off. It, it is a lie. So you have this chick, you know, apparently fearing for her life and taunting this officer. And something this makes me think of being afraid of the police and fearing them a lot of burn loot murder activists say it's racist, it's systematically racist, because blacks need to be taught how to behave around the police, you know, when they're young, to keep, to keep themselves safe. Now, obviously, this racist woman was never taught that, but, you know, the first time I heard that, I thought, huh, that's, that's kind of reasonable that they need to be... But then I, I remembered, you know, at a very young age, I was taught how to treat officers when I interacted with them or when I was pulled over. And all of my white friends, they were all taught how to behave around police officers to keep themselves safe. You know, I was taught that when I was four years old. By the way, I was also taught not to throw temper tantrums and break stuff and throw Molotov cocktails at the police when I was upset or felt unheard, you know, quote unquote unheard. And, and, you know, actually, as an act of public service, let me let me teach you how to behave if you get pulled over, for example. It's pretty simple. You know, you turn your car off, put your keys on the dashboard so they can see that you're not going to drive away. Hands on the hands on the steering wheel, 10 and 2. Yes, officer. No, officer. Here you go, officer. Extreme fear and respect for authority. I was taught to fear authority, fear the police, respect them. It will save your life. I was taught that when I was four years old. You know, it's so upsetting because every single BOM martyr, without exception, was committing a crime, resisting arrest, being violent, reaching for a gun, something incredibly stupid and evil. So here's an idea. Do not resist the police and obey the law. You will be a lot safer. And don't harass police officers. You know, police officers spend all day, every day dealing with people like this, dealing with drunkards, dealing with drug addicts, dealing with domestic abusers, dealing with the worst types of people all day, every day. And what happens when you have to deal with such terrible people all day, every day? It has a psychological effect. You know, we're always asked, when we see these videos, we're asked, to look at the situation from the perspective of, quote-unquote, the victim. But we're never asked to look at it from the police officer's perspective. So when you see in the media a report on a story like this, let's start looking at it from the officer's perspective. 
By the way, there's this great YouTube channel. It's called Police Activity. It shows some just brutal situations that police have to deal with, and their professionalism is extraordinary. It's, it's hard to watch, but it's extremely worthwhile to know what they go through. But so what about the cop? The, the cop that has to go through these, you know, horrible situations every day, dealing with these most annoying, terrible people day to day, it seems that if any normal person had to deal with this, it wouldn't take very long for them to become a rude, awful, jaded person, you know? Like if you just took Bill off of the street and gave Bill a badge and had Bill respond to this situation, there is, I would say, zero chance he would do nearly as well as this officer did. And I, I honestly, I have no idea how this officer had this much patience. He has the patience of a saint. And, you know, speaking of which, a little tangent, can we, can we give police officers tips? Is that allowed? Is that even legal? I don't know. Next time you get pulled over and you have some cash and they're done giving you a ticket or whatever, give them a tip. They deserve it. If Starbucks employees have the gall to ask for a tip when you go through the drive-thru, we should be allowed to tip cops who have to go through this kind of crap. But anyways, if police critics had to deal with stuff like what we heard in this video, they would respond far worse. I am extremely thankful for the police that we have. They are not perfect, but they are excellent. And excellent is all we can ask. You know, sometimes they are perfect. Like that officer a few weeks ago who saved that black girl's life. He shot that murderer. What was her name? I think Makia Bryant, like seconds before she was like stabbed that girl. She had a knife in her hand. It was like a butcher knife. And she was backswing and then like going to stab this chick. And the the cop shot her four times. It was it was awesome. That guy needs a raise. I hope I hope he got one. Hope he got a big tip. But you know, sometimes they aren't perfect. But for the most part, they are incredible. And we should be thankful to have them. And that is why I'm in favor of increasing the police hashtag increase the police let's start using the hashtag and let's try and make it a goal to grow the force and to make the force better and stronger and give them more power all right anyways hey denver bible church wanted to invite you to come out to denver bible church this sunday bob who usually preaches he is on assignment he will not be preaching sunday but we are at 4085 independence court in wheat ridge colorado so we invite you to come out. We start at 9.30. Uh, we usually have a more informal Bible study in the morning, and then we have a sermon. And I believe Jason Schroyer, the famous Jason Schroyer, will be preaching on Sunday. And I'd be really stoked to see you there. I'll be there. We usually have free coffee, free donuts, some good worship music, and a lot of really good fellowship. So really hope to see you there. Talking about that teacher reminded me of in my homeschool co-op, which homeschool co-op had a lot of great teachers, huge fan, all strong Christians. But there was, I'd say, uh, one maybe quote unquote bad apple. I love the lady. She's, she was awesome lady, a strong Christian, but as far as liberal to conservative, one bad apple in the group. And I remember she was my government teacher, which if you're going to get a, get a bad apple when it comes to, uh, Republican, conservative, liberal, that's probably the worst class to have a bad apple in. But I remember so vividly, uh, if you know, if you've been a, a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that we here at Bob and Your Life support a constitutional monarchy. And we lay the case out for that in our 
product, God's principles of government. Now, I remember I was trying to learn about government before I, I took that class. So the night before, I was going through our God's principles of government. Highly recommend. Check it out. And it was laying out a really strong case against democracy and for a constitutional monarchy. Then I remember on the first day going into class and we talked about our form of government and what form of government we should have and whether or not we thought our form of government was the ideal form. And I remember making the case and I said, no, our form of government is a disaster and we should have a more biblical form of government. And my teacher told me that the Bible is valuable, but in the in the classroom, we're, we're talking about government. We have to point to the Constitution and not to the Bible. And I remember being kind of shocked by that because it's this Christian homeschool co-op. I thought, you know, for sure it's going to be, you know, all Bible-centered and Bible-based. And I was talking about that a little bit. And I was trying to make the point that my dad had made in that God's Principles of Government DVD that with a democracy or a constitutional representative republic, in a democracy, if the powers that be want to do something evil, they will just change the laws so they're allowed to do something evil, and then everybody does that evil thing. But with a monarchy, if the king wants to do something evil, he'll do something evil, but the law stays that way, and he just says, you know what, I don't care about the law. And so if you have a corrupt government, with a monarchy, at least it will be contained to just the government, whereas with a more representative republic or a democracy, that corruption spreads to all the people. And she asked if I had an example. And I said, sure. In the Bible, take King David. He wanted to start sleeping around. He saw Bathsheba and he wanted to sleep around and then he slept with her and then she got pregnant and then he wanted to cover it up. So then he murdered someone to cover it up. So he committed adultery, and then to cover it up, he committed murder. And the laws in Israel stayed the same. It didn't become legal to commit adultery, and it didn't become legal to commit murder. And compare that to here in America with abortion, we have millions of instances of someone committing adultery, and then they get pregnant, and then to cover up their adultery, they murder the baby to get rid of the evidence, and it has become legal in America to commit adultery and to murder children because that corruption has spread throughout the land, whereas in Israel, that corruption was just in the government. Now, when I brought this up to her, she said that the, the Bible was not political literature, so it was an invalid example, and then we just kind of moved on without addressing it any, any further, But which, of course, was frustrating. But it just goes to show that teachers always have an agenda, so be super careful with your kids. Uh, definitely get them out of public schools, because in public schools, it's just going to be you know a disaster with the teachers. I've heard so many horror stories. We have to get our kids out of public schools. They are a disaster. They have abysmal results, which real quick, people always say that teachers are underpaid, which has always confused me. Right now, I want you to, to pull out Google and, you know, if you're not driving, pull out Google and you know how when you, when you start typing into Google, it'll, it'll give you the autocomplete suggestions based on what other people have searched for. I took a screenshot. I saw this online. I took a screenshot and type in school makes me and then i got this screenshot 
and the autocomplete suggestions are school makes me depressed, suicidal, anxious, cry, feel stupid, sick, so tired, sad, tired, so stressed. So that's what students are getting out of public schools right now. So I guess my question is, why do people say teachers are underpaid while simultaneously saying that the schools are a disaster? It seems that their terrible pay is reasonable considering their abysmal results. And anyways, I know that there are some good teachers who genuinely have their students' interests at heart, and a lot of them are set up to fail, and I recognize that, but it seems that the majority of teachers are either very bad teachers or very left-leaning, and all of the left-leaning teachers are always the most outspoken about their beliefs. Republican, conservative, Christian teachers tend to be much more reserved out of fear of losing their jobs. And a good way to tell this, actually, is to do high school ministry. I mentioned briefly on yesterday's show that my church was part of a Abolish Human Abortion project called Project Frontlines, and that is where you take some literature, you take some signs, and you go out to a local high school, and you just try and reach out to some of the kids, say, you know, hey, abortion is wrong. We need to stand against abortion. We need to stand against the slaughter of the innocent. And it's always really interesting with Project Frontlines. It's always a week-long event. So you get there day one. Day one, you just have literature. Don't You're not trying to make too big of a scene, but just try and pass out some literature that I call, quote-unquote, friendly literature. And then day two, you get there. Tuesday, you get there. And you bring some, quote-unquote, friendly signs. It'll be like a picture of an ultrasound saying, we've all been here. You let them know that you'll be back to talk to them. And there's always a few conversations. And they start to, to realize that something's up. And sometimes they'll be a little bit upset at you. Abortion obviously causes a lot of emotion. And then day three, Wednesday, that's when it all kind of starts to hit the fan. You come with what I call mean signs, quote unquote, mean signs and mean literature. And that's when we bring signs and literature that have the graphic abortion pictures of what it looks like when you murder a baby. And those have actually been a lot of fun, led to some really, really good, very intense conversations. By the way, tangent, a lot of people get mad at us saying, like, why would you show this stuff to kids? Kids shouldn't have to see what an abortion looks like. This is just too, too harsh and too extreme and too crazy. And to respond to that, I would like to point you back to yesterday's show about extremism and radicalization. But what we realized is going to abortion clinics, we noticed that most of the people coming in are high school girls coming in for an abortion. So we came to the realization, if you're old enough to kill a child, you should be old enough to know what that looks like. And that seems like a reasonable standard to me. Anyways, we, we go out there with these signs and we talk to a lot of the students and just by talking to them, if you're intuitive, both my dad and I are strongly intuitive. If you're intuitive, you can tell that they are talking to their teachers and their professors, asking for arguments or reasons that they can use against us when they come out and talk to us. And the reason you can tell that is because every day they come out in waves of, of different people. And these waves of different people day by day, they always have the same exact arguments. 
and you'll get 15 people in a row who come up to you and say, well, what, what about rape or, you know, what about incest or yada, yada, yada. And they always come in these waves of these same arguments. Like, what about rape? And then 15 more people will come in a row and say, what about poor moms who can't afford to have a child or, or whatever the argument is. And you can tell that they come in waves and it's really strange how they do. And you start to put the pieces together and you realize that like a group of people will go in to talk to a professor and the professor will give them a few arguments and then they'll come out and present them to us. And of course, we've heard all of these arguments, you know, a billion times. So it's not like it's anything new to us. By the way, that is one thing I've noticed about the left is that they are very uncreative with their arguments. It's like they come up with one argument and that's their argument for the next five years. It's just that one argument. And they never they never think about stuff. They never ponder stuff enough to come up with a new argument. So it's very rare that you find non-soundbite type arguments. But anyways, you get these waves of students who come out and some of them are also like delirious and insane. I don't know what public schools are doing to them, but we have the weirdest stories from Project Frontlines events. Maybe I'll get into some of that if I have a little bit of time. But you notice they come out in waves and then by Thursday and Friday, eventually some of the teachers start coming out and talking to you as well. On Wednesday, you'll have security come up to you and ask you to leave because you have the, the graphic signs and that's just that's a bridge too far for them and they'll ask you to leave but there's not really much they can do so you just stay there but then by Thursdays and Fridays the teachers and the professors really start coming out and they want to bring the you know the quote-unquote the big guns the teachers and of course their arguments are the exact same as the ones that we've been hearing all week and you can kind of tell that the teachers are just teaching these kids what to say to us and not teaching them how to think. They're just teaching them what to say and what to believe. And here's an argument you can use. And it's clear that these kids aren't thinking for themselves. They're just hearing something and then throwing it back out into the world a little bit louder. It's almost like it's almost like a mama bird who goes and wants to feed her kids and she eats a worm and then flies back to the nest and then regurgitates it out and vomits it out everywhere. And then, then, they, then the kids will eat that up. That's what these public school kids do, essentially. They just they take it in and then just vomit it on everybody else. And if you're a little bit intuitive, you can tell just from talking to the kids, like obviously talking to the teachers, you figure out easily enough. But if you're just a little bit intuitive and you just talk to the kids, you can tell that the most prominent voices in the school are extreme, hardcore liberal leftists who hate babies and who hate God and love perversion. They're the most outspoken of all the voices in the public schools. But okay, funny story. I got a little bit of time left. I have to go fast. At Project Frontlines, I was doing it with my cousin Brian Jr. I was I was standing with him. I was holding a sign. He was passing out literature. And the student comes up to us, maybe about 15, 16 years old. And she comes up to us and we have deemed her the chicken lady. And I'm with, with my cousin, Brian. And Brian, if he's listening to the show right now, he'll know exactly who I'm talking about, the chicken lady. Yeah, that's what we've deemed her. And she came up to us. And she was talking to my cousin, Brian. And she said, okay, if you're at a farm and there's a farmer and there's a chicken running around and then she grabs the chicken who's just walking around and, and says, I'm going to eat this chicken. What would you do? And my cousin Brian is looking at her like she's insane because she is insane. And he was like, I would tell him to not eat the chicken because he would get sick. And then that causes her to go insane. She goes, but no, but what would you do? What would you do about the farmer who wants to eat the chicken? 
And me and my cousin, we just look at each other and we're like, what is this girl talking about? And my cousin Brian goes back and forth with this chick and she's just screaming at my cousin saying, but what would you do? And he's saying, I would tell him to not eat the chicken. He will get sick. That chicken is alive. And he just, if he's just going to take a bite out of it, he's going to get sick. So I would tell him not to eat the chicken. And it's like she, she starts to have like a seizure almost. She starts freaking out, like veins popping out of her forehead. She's she starts going insane and then just keeps asking my cousin, but what would you do? And my cousin gave the most perfect response. He asked, he said, okay, what is it that you want me to say to further this conversation? Because I've told you what I would do and you just keep asking me the same question. And then she kind of just freezes, which was weird because she was going like 110 miles per hour and she just freezes. She just stops and thinks. My cousin asks again, says, what do you want me to say so we can continue this conversation? And she just kind of looks at us and goes, I don't know. And then she just walks away. And that was the end of the conversation. So I do not know what is going on inside of public schools, what they're teaching these kids. But that is the results that we get from these kids. But that's the music. That'll do it for me today. Really hope to see you at church. And we'll be back after this quick 23 and a half hour break with Theology Thursday. Have a great rest of your day. God bless and Godspeed.